Hello and welcome to another episode of Never Seen It, the podcast about movies that we haven't seen yet. Today, I am once again your host. My name is Betsy and with me is Trent. Hello, Betsy. Today, we are moving forward into the next phase of Indiana Jones series. We are out of the original trilogy and on to number four, a gap of 19 years to 2008, we are watching Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And by most accounts from the fucking nerds that I've listened to on the internet, this movie ruined the entire series. <laughs> well, we will see. That is going to be up to you for your own personal... Oh, I get to decide. Well, for you, you get to decide. <laughs> I think... No, I get to decide for the entire internet. Oh, you're... T- You are the decider. (laughs) I am deemed that decider, yes. Okay. Well, Trent, it's obviously been quite a few years since this movie came out. Yes. I have seen this. You have not, Mm -hmm. as per the rest of this series. Correct. You probably don't know anything about this one, so let's start with where we have been. So give us your... 30-second recap of the original trilogy. I know there was going to be a quiz. What we are revisiting 19 years after the fact. So it's Indiana Jones is his name? That's his name. Doctor Jones. Oh, Doctor. No time for love, Doctor Jones, if you missed that joke. Um, So we're back in World War II times, and Indiana Jones is a professor and a archaeologist? Paleontologist? I'm not quite sure what his title is. I guess he's an archaeologist, but again, he's a glorified tomb raider. He's a scientist. Sure, we'll call it, we'll be generous. <laughs> Mr. Scientist Jones is uh, out raiding tombs and stealing religious artifacts with his sidekicks, mainly beautiful women. Mainly, but not always. Yes, and then for some reason he needed to bring his dad along for one of them. Yes, he did. Anyway, <laughs> that's my summary. Um, For this one, like you said, I know very, very little about... What the plot is, I assume it is going to be just another adventure in the Indiana Jones saga. We've talked about this before. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg grew up with these, like, serialized, like, radio shows and comic book series where it is just the character set into different kinds of scenarios and adventures. And you come back next week and it's a completely different tale. That's what this is going to be, but almost 20 years later. So the last movie was set in 1938, I believe. Yes, it was right before the big war really started, and there were still Nazis everywhere. And I assume that we are going forward in time that many years, because if you were to try to set an Indiana Jones movie almost 20 years later with Harrison Ford looking like the old man he was... It's going to be a problem. It's not the years, Trent. It's the mileage. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Need to trade this in for a new model. Anyway, so speaking of new model, there's also Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is in this movie. And I have zero idea what his relationship is with Indy. Is he a son? Is he a, is Indiana a mentor? Is he a student? Is he like a, a a godson, a nephew, uh, uh, a kid off the street? Is he another like short, short round? Like short round was, yeah. <laughs> Do you know anyone else who is in this movie or who you might think is in this movie? I assume that we're going to get the returning champions. John Reese davies maybe. Okay. Because he was in one and three because that's the continuation of time. Uh, I know I know Sean Connery is not in it. 
No, because he had long retired yeah, by this Yeah, he retired point. from acting in 03. Somewhere around So there. by this time, he was long gone. Now, he did say if he were going to come out of retirement for anything, it would be Indiana Jones. Too late. But he didn't do it. Spoiler alert, there is no surprise cameo. <laughs> I'm sure you would In this or in Dial of Destiny. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, we have gotten to this weird place where they're bringing dead actors into these movies. Like, they're doing it left and right in the Star Wars series. Why not in something like this? But no, they left Sean Connery alone. (laughs) He is not in this movie. Thankfully. No, I do not know anybody else who is going to be coming back in this. Okay. Or or even like a, a new character that I don't know about. I will tell you there are definitely people you recognize. Do you have any clue what the artifact is? Is it a crystal skull? Oh my gosh, Trent. That's amazing. Dan Aykroyd and you... his crystal skull vodka making know? an appearance. <laughs> We're tying it all back to Temple yeah, of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up this intro then because I figured you probably wouldn't know much. No, I've not seen a trailer for this. I haven't sought out any information. Prepared. I have not. Well, then let's just go do it. We are going to go watch from 2008, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, and we'll be right back. back that was number four indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull trent what is your opinion the internet was right (laughs) jesus okay i'm not gonna sit here and say that was a terrible movie i enjoyed myself for most some little bit of it yes this is not the worst movie ever made up to this point, is it the worst Indiana Jones? Just depends on your opinion about Temple of Doom. <laughs> right. But this one is certainly not the top tier. When there's only three other ones to compare it to, it is very easy to put this at the bottom of the list. Yes, I agree. I will say, however, the the big thing that people were really up in arms about was the main turn, what this movie is about. This movie is about aliens. Yeah. Interdimensional beings. And people were freaking out. And they were like, I've had enough. I've seen enough. This goes too far. And what have I been saying to you for three episodes up until this point? I said, keep in mind this whole thing about supernatural events and really crazy things happening. Religious artifacts having supernatural powers. Listen, you're telling me... A golden box that melts people's faces. People who melts can rip, Nazis faces. rip Get it people's right. hearts out <laughs> and then sacrifice them still alive to a volcano god. Uh-huh. That there Voodoo can magic. be there can be a knight of the crusade that is seven hundred years old. And that's all okay. We will buy all of that. But aliens, well, that's just too far. (laughs) Because the rest of those things are based in some kind of human reality, human history. Aliens? Nuh-uh. It's aliens, Trent. It's aliens. Aliens. (laughs) I'm just going to defend this one point because 
I feel like people got really upset that this is too unbelievable when really there's a lot of unbelievable things that happen all throughout Indiana Jones. Totally. And again, it is going back to the fact that Indiana Jones is, him as a character, is steeped in history. Meaning he's a student of history. Whenever they're talking about the Ark of the Covenant or the the Cup of Life, uh, he knows about it. He studied this stuff. And the stuff about the, 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 the Mayans and the Incans and all these other things saying that their technology was so advanced and how in the world were they able to do these things and make these pyramids? I'm pretty sure there was a special and it's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on the History it's the Channel. Meme. That's literally, I think, what that guy is talking about yeah. if you go back to the context. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, though. All of this stuff is steeped in some kind of history. But again, nothing. Nothing of history has said that aliens have come down and taught humans how to farm and irrigate and build pyramids. Just because we haven't found the history yet doesn't mean the history doesn't <laughs> exist. Conspiracy theories with Betsy, welcome. <laughs> uh, Betsy, and at the very end of the movie, I, I told you, you know, I feel like I've seen the ending of this, this exact movie before. Okay. You've seen a little movie called The Mummy Returns? Yes, I have seen this film. Yes. Yes, there is a, a pyramid. Uh -huh. There's some stuff that comes out There's, of the ground. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a South American pyramid, is it not? Oh, uh, you know, it might be. Uh-huh. Maybe. Well, no, wait. No, no, in that one, it is in Egypt still. There's just an oasis. Okay. It's a magical, mystical oasis. Okay. But it's the same kind of look of this thing. And whenever the thing happens to trigger the uh, thing. The thing for the thing. Yes. The whole damn pyramid basically collapses into itself. Yes, because there's something underground. Yeah. That is driving this I've up. seen this before. Trent, I've also seen this before. <laughs> uh, I kept thinking throughout this series so far that Indiana Jones is the Dana Scully of his own universe because he yeah. refuses to believe the things. Just look, just see. And he would not look and he would not see. But that's the <laughs> thing, though. With the, both Dana Scully and Indiana Jones, he sees it. It's right in front of him. But then he just moves on. He just it's moves like on. It's like it's nothing. It's yeah. like it's nothing. How are you not screaming from the goddamn rooftops and saying, I found the cup of life. I found this thing. Why is nobody listening to me? Why am I only this lowly professor and not like the king of the world by discovering <laughs> all of these things? Fuck. No, he just refuses to accept new information. He is too old and set in his ways. <laughs> this is how it is now. <laughs> yes. But yes, I agree with the internet when it comes down to, okay, let's not even talk about the alien shit because that's a separate issue in my mind. The rest of the movie is really where my problem lies. I also agree with this statement because I was really watching this one, trying to be analytical, and I think... I understand what it is. I think I've I've found it. This movie is trying for the spirit of Indiana Jones. And I think at moments it succeeds. Yeah. But there is this hollowness throughout the film in the way it is made. It does not look like an Indiana Jones movie. It is all on a fucking set. Yeah. They went too far with the CG at times. Yes, the other movies are also on sets. By necessity, they had to be on yes, sets. Yes, but they do a great job of intermingling it with real places and yeah. real 
obstacles and tangible things. Mm -hmm. And this, it just feels like they walked on the set. We're going to look at this little, like, special, you know, scenery box. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I point the camera and I do my job and I go home for the There's a, a night. different thing between a set and a green screen set. This was a lot of green screen here. A lot of it was. So there's a big difference when you have actors in front of a green screen. They can't really spread out, they can't really move around. But when I'm thinking about just like Temple of Doom, the scene like before they get onto the minecart, that place is huge. Yeah. And you can see that it is a real space that people can run around and you have all sorts of different life happening within this space. Practical effects. It's not even effects. It's just real shit. Okay, well, it's practical. It's yeah, there. <laughs> yes, tangible. In this, it's just them on a, on, a, on a green screen and then maybe one little prop in the background. It's lifeless. This movie is devoid of fun. All three other movies, I had a good time. They, they had great jokes. They had good adventure. In this one, it just seems like they're just hopping between point to point. It's the problem of making a sequel this many years after the fact. There's really only one reason to do it, and that's for the paycheck. Yeah. That is for the money. Like, this is a movie that clearly got made, and it's kind of like when they did Matrix Resurrections a couple years ago, mm -hmm. where we're going to make it whether you want to be a part of it or not. So right. you might as well be a part of it. Right. And that's kind of how this movie feels, where Steven Spielberg is directing, but it looks like he set up the camera and said action and didn't do anything else. Like, there's no interesting angles. There's no interesting cinematography. It just feels flat and bored. Yeah. And that is from Steven Spielberg arguably the greatest living director right now, or one of them. There was a time Steven Spielberg of, yes. certainly was. Now I feel like as he's getting older, he is kind of resting on his laurels, and I don't feel challenged by anything he is doing, and other people are just passing him by, and he doesn't want to be passed by. But he's not taking that line down. And he's not even directing this last one, The Dial no. of Destiny. He's not directing it. No, I think there's a lot of things that came out of this Indiana Jones yeah. that maybe got people to pull back and say, maybe I don't need to do this anymore. Is Lucas involved? Do you know? In the new one? Yeah. I have no idea. I guess I'm we're sure, going to find out. I am sure that he and Spielberg are going to get production credits. Yeah, like because, every other every other movie, yeah. Lucas has a story credit at the very least. They own the property. Yeah. They're going to get the production credit. Yeah. But there's not going to be a whole lot of crossover for what happened in this movie to what happens in the next one. I know Shia LaBeouf has nothing to do with the next one. Why is he's, that, Trent? He's barely an actor anymore. Well, and you were just reading a funny story about yeah. him. Yeah, so speaking of making money, the reason why this movie was made, uh, there was some big hubbub around the release of this movie and people going around to sell it. You know, when you go out and do your, your press junket. This is around the time Shia LaBeouf declared himself not famous anymore. He was taking a break from acting because he's disillusioned with the entire thing. I don't want to put words into his mouth. You can read the interviews from him yourself. But he was out doing the, the, the press junket because you are contractually required to do so. 
and he was just shitting on the movie, like, like after the fact. He was addressing the controversy around the fact that, hey, you know what? This movie isn't all that great, and maybe you, Shia LaBeouf, are not that great in it. And he responded to that criticism. He says, you know... You can blame the director, you can blame the writers, you can blame the producers, whatever, but me as an actor, I'm the one on screen, I have to be the one to bring it all to life. And I didn't do that, and I, I blame myself for that portion. He's talking about the fucking monkey scene and swinging on the vines, and that is a really, really cheesy scene, and I really did not like that. I can see why people had a big problem with it, and why he would admit that that's, that's an issue. After he did this interview, Spielberg came out and, and basically responded to him. I think there was just this was just a private conversation between them. Uh, and the quote from Shia, what Steven Spielberg told him, he told, quote, he told me there is a time to be a human being and have an opinion, and there is a time to sell cars. And really, what you're out there doing by being on the press junk and trying to sell the movie, you're trying to sell a car. So if you go to a car dealership and the salesman's standing right next to the to the car saying, this is a piece of shit, I don't know why anybody <laughs> would want to buy this car, that's a problem. You're not doing a good job. And I get that argument. And it's funny because the way out of context, I don't know the actual words that he said, Yeah. but if he is taking the blame then it seems like he wasn't shitting on the movie itself so much as it's my job to make this movie better. Mm -hmm. So he is putting a lot of the onus on him and not just the overall project. Yes, he is abstractly saying this isn't a good project and yeah. I wish it was better. But you're not supposed to say it. No, not in that context. Like yeah. years later, have sure. your cake and eat it too. Sure, I'm always reminded of the DVD commentary of the movie Armageddon, where Ben Affleck is by himself in a room <laughs> watching the movie and he is just like talking to himself saying, you know, Michael Bay, I asked him, why, why do you need to get oil drillers? Why can't you just train some scientists to drill a hole? And he would not answer the question. And he just kept, keeps on going on about the fact that this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> and he addressed that while he was on set and he was just brushed off. Yeah, the director said, fuck you, Ben Affleck. Right. Do the movie. Do it years and years later after you get your paycheck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Worry about those details later. Yeah, and after this whole thing with him and Spielberg came out, Harrison Ford literally called Shia LaBeouf a fucking idiot. I, listen, I agree. Like, there's a time, there's a place. Yeah. You probably shouldn't have done it. But he also seems quite happy to not be doing that kind of thing anymore. And good for him. I, okay, let's start talking about him and the other actors All here. Right. I... Do not see Shia LaBeouf as a 50s greaser. Do you? <laughs> they were pushing that image really, really hard. It and this fucking is, sucks. Okay, this is really a tricky time in his career where he wasn't the teen actor anymore, but he wasn't yeah. an adult actor, and people were trying to figure out what to do with him. This is an amazing opportunity for him, but this script as he pointed out, mm -hmm. is not that great. And instead of making him, like, an actual greaser, like, buying into that culture, looking the look, walking the walk, talking the talk, it's kind of the thing where I don't even think he, as a character, really buys into that he's a greaser. He likes books. Yeah. He just doesn't fit in with the cool kids. But he is shows the first time, the first time he is on screen, he is genuinely dressed like fucking 
Marlon Brando with the fucking hat and the gloves and the rolled up cuffs on his pants. And it just feels so fake and forced Mm -hmm. that you kind of can't believe a word he says from the rest of the movie. I can't believe either side of it. I can't believe that he really is a greaser. And I also can't believe that he's actually just secretly a bookworm, Betsy. (laughs) And that one picture they show of him with John Hurt when he's young, he's like this little whippersnapper in a striped t-shirt and he looks like fucking Opie from the oh, Andy Griffith I didn't show. Even, I didn't even see that. I skipped that. It's just one moment where it's it's that thing I hate where they Photoshop two people onto these faces oh. and it looks like a terrible, like this is when we were younger. We took a picture together. Yeah. No, bad. One little moment of that, but yeah. you're right. Either way, I don't know who this guy is or is supposed to be. Yeah, and of course, I did not know what the relationship was going to be. I figured Shia LaBeouf already had a relationship with Indy and he's just his sidekick, whatever the actual familial relationship was. I mean, it's a little lazy and easy to just make him his son and reintroduce Marion as uh, as the previous love interest to show up for the second half of the movie and then that's it? I can see why they brought her back, though. Because she's the most significant woman in any of the movies. Yep. Full stop in yep. the trilogy. Yep, totally. And at his age, when he made this movie, he is now 66 years old uh-huh. when, when Crystal Skull comes out. You can't really do a romance. It feels weird. If they would have introduced a new young starlet for him to interact with, yeah. it would have been unusual they and would uncomfortable. would have just not done it. It wouldn't have worked. So what do you do? Okay, you either don't have a love interest at all, yeah. but then you're kind of really male centric. There is one other woman in this entire movie. And she's the bad guy. And she's the villain. Yeah. So that's a risky choice too. So what do you do? You bring back an old favorite because we're bringing back Indiana Jones. Let's just take it all the way back to the beginning. I mean, I get the logic. Yeah, I I do too. And you're right. If they didn't have a love, a, a love interest, whatever you want to call it, and didn't bring her back, it would have been uncomfortable and just kind of creepy. I, I just don't like that. Like bringing along one of his hanging on students. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good look. No, no, no. Which is why I think they went in a different route for the next one. In the trailer, they are flat out saying, there's a woman in this movie, in the new one, yeah. and she's his goddaughter. Like, sure. we label it in the trailer right. so that no one has any expectation other than that. There is no parentage the here. No. <laughs> <laughs> but even though now he's a parent, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Karen Allen, I feel, was game for this. Totally. Is what it, else has she been doing? Is it the same character for the most part, she's older, yes. she's wiser, yeah. she's playing the mom role. She doesn't have a whole lot to do. She does a serviceable job in this. Yeah, and but she still got spunk. Yeah. It's the same kind of spunk that she's she had feisty. in the first one. Yeah, and I, and I like that. That's what plays well off of Indy. But with Mutt, her son. <laughs> seriously? Henry Third. Seriously, the first, like, five times they said his name, I thought it was Mud. What's his, his name M- is Mud? M-U-D-D. No, it's Mutt. He picked that name for himself. Mutt Williams. That's dumb. It's real dumb. <laughs> and I understand the timing of it. You're trying to get, it's the 1950s. It's 1957 when yep. this movie takes place. Yep. What would Indiana Jones be if he were a young man today? 
that's kind of where they're going. He wouldn't be a mainstream kid, but he's sort of a bookworm, but he's a little bit dangerous, which is why he likes to go out and get into trouble. So I understand the interpretation that you might end up with Mutt Williams. <laughs> well, it's that's... just not... The it's best. just too shallow to me because Everything when is. you think about the 1950s, you are either a greaser or you are a soch. And that's exactly how they are depicted here. It's fucking lazy. Yes, it is. Yeah, and that's all I can really say about that. And they take a lot of care to remind you of this time frame. So, like, the movie starts with a bunch of kids listening to Elvis Presley yep. trying to drag race in a little old roadster. Yep. And there's these military guys that are ending up at the end of the opening sequence at a nuclear testing site. So it, it's just like, okay, what are we what are we focused on in 1957? We've got Russians, the threat of communism, commies, commies. Uh, they they constantly bring up com- uh -huh. there's a there's a fucking rally, you know, down like yeah, down with an the anti-communist rally at the college that he te teaches at, and it's the nuclear age. So they they are bringing it to the relevant points of today, but then they sort of brush that off and let you forget about it the rest of the time. But the new villain has to be Russia because we can't be the Nazis anymore. You're right. And <laughs> of course it's going to be the Soviets there. And they don't actually say the word Soviet at all. And, but of course in 1957, were they actually called the Soviet union? I don't know if they are. I don't know where the cusp changed. I don't remember. I, I, I I'm did not, not go student. that far. I'm not a student of communist history in <laughs> no, Russia. No, neither am I. But they did state that Kate Blanche's character is from Eastern Ukraine, which is very Russian and has a very deep Russian influence. Thank you, current events, for teaching us all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. We're on that topic. Kate Blanchett yeah. in this movie. Yeah. How are you? How do you feel about her? I think she did her level best. I have no problem with her or with her performance here. She plays the character as it is written, I suppose. <laughs> and that's really all I can say. There's there's no objectionable thing about how she's doing it. You know, she's putting on a pretty good accent as far as I can tell. The thing that bothers me the most, honestly, is her wig. I don't get the wig. I don't I saw, know that choice. I saw something about early on during filming. Harrison Ford saw Kate Blanchett's head like from the back. And th this is before they had actually met on set yet. And he said, who's the blonde chick? Yeah, she wasn't in costume. She wasn't in costume yet. And, she, and they as actors had not met yet. He was used to seeing the the woman in character yes yeah <laughs> so yeah it's just just a little anecdote from harrison ford himself uh, a couple other people who show up in this movie uh you've got ray winstone as his like war buddy because they kind of throw out oh yeah, yeah. world war ii happened remember he's that? the guy from the departed yes i i know that guy from my days in Counterterrorism against the German spy. I don't know. It was well, kind of they, vague. <laughs> they they re reference the fact that they were spying on the Reds, as they say, which is Russia, mm -hmm. and they were together in probably World War II doing just military shit. Yeah, and he was winning awards and stuff. Yeah, he was getting all sorts of commendations. He's a colonel. I don't know what that means. I don't know all the rankings. I mean, he's an officer. So he's, he's, he's not just some grunt. He's not a nobody. <laughs> yeah, so he he did his time. He served his time. He served his country. 
but then he going he goes back to what he was doing before. I don't really know what Indiana Jones wants to be with himself. Like he wants to be a professor, he wants to be a tomb raider, he wants to be an archaeologist. He also wants to kill Nazis, punch Russians, all of the above. He doesn't like, what like is his deal? he's a big baby around snakes. He wants to be a dad, but he doesn't. Well, that's the thing. He immediately turns into dad mode. Yeah, he turns it on. He, he discovers that he is one, which, you know, good on you. I have, there's no problem with that. It's just very strange. But as a 66 year old man, God. So one thing I did find funny that they were doing in this movie is they basically in this one, turn him into Sean Connery from Last Crusade. Yeah. There are several moments where they are drawing that line very clearly. In the chase scene when they're on the motorcycle at the beginning, the car crashes into a statue of Marcus Brody. Yep. And Mutt does that kind of smiling, ha-ha, we got the bad guys thing. And he is on the back of the motorcycle looking super stern, just like after the motorcycle scene in Last Crusade. Yeah. At one point when they're in the jungle, Indy says, this is intolerable, which is the thing Sean Connery says about six times in Last Crusade. <laughs> he also calls him Junior at he the end He calls him movie. Junior. <laughs> and then, you know, at the end, he says, oh, your grandfather would be looking down and laughing. Ha ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a stretch. It just felt, again, very forced. People who have seen Last Crusade as many times as I have mm-hmm. are going to notice that. You're not going to necessarily notice that because you've seen that exactly one time. No, and you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me as much as it would bother you. I mean, they I read that they did ask Sean Connery, hey, do you want to have a cameo in this? We know you're, that you're retired at least a, f- a few years now. Do you want to come out and just do this one thing? And he said, no, I'm good with my retirement. He said, I'm retired, and he stuck with it. There are very few actors that have managed to do that. Gene Hackman being Gene another one. Gene Hackman has absolutely been like, no, peace out. Yeah. I did it Around like, the same time, too. Uh, give or take. Early which, 2000s. Which was so weird because Sean Connery, I felt, was so public about, this is my last movie. Yeah. I'm going away now. Right. Gene Hackman, I don't think I even realized he retired. He just went away. He just was gone all, one day. And I was like, <laughs> what happened to Gene Hackman? He hasn't made a movie in a while. Oh, you know, he retired like eight years ago. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, Daniel Day-Lewis, he's committed to it. Right. He retired. Right. Haven't seen that guy since then. But then again, he was also very public about it. He got his final Oscar nomination, which, by the way, you should go and see Phantom Thread. It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. It's not what you think it is. No. <laughs> it is definitely not what you think it is. But Sean Connery, yeah, um, I don't think it would have made it a better movie if he was there. It would just be one more distraction. It wouldn't away have from added anything. This movie, right. Yeah. And they even said, they asked uh, John Rhys-Davies if, if he wanted to make a cameo too, which, again, just kind of shows that the producers here didn't really have a a big vision. They were kind of grasping at the past. Fan service. They wanted to get the gang back together for no reason other than let's do it. And John Rhys-Davies said exactly that. No, I don't want to be this... I I don't want to have my character cheapened by just doing a cameo in the crowd. And in this case, it might have been just at the wedding. Probably. If there's going to be any other... I was looking at that crowd. It's a very small crowd. It's a, it's two people in their 50s and 60s getting married. Like, it's not going to be a big formal event. This is kind of a technicality at this point. Yeah, they threw this together. But even then, 
Who are all of those other people? Well, one of them is Jim Broadbent, who is in exactly two scenes of this movie. He is an Academy Award nominee. He maybe even won. I don't even freaking remember. But he's the British guy who has taken the place of the Marcus Brody yeah. character. He, I believe, is what I would call the dean of that school now. Yes. And he's the guy who comes and says to Indy, hey, you're suspended because the FBI came here looking for your shit and I had to resign in order for them to not fire you and like take away all your all your money. You can you're taking a forced leave of absence. Yeah. That's it. You're you have the opportunity they don't really address this, but you have the opportunity to go out and clear your name. Which they don't address that at all. By the time we get back to the college, he got promoted to assistant dean. He gets his job back, and it's just weird they don't address that at all. It sucks. It's kind of like the sequel to National Treasure, where the plot doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Where it's... Doesn't we, need to be there. We have this conspiracy, and we have proven that your family was involved, and they have to clear his name by discovering the lost city of gold? Like, what? It's the same thing. He was in a secret government facility at the beginning of the movie. They're in Roswell, New Mexico at Area 51 at the big container store. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of national treasure, at the end of the movie, guess what? They discover a chamber filled with all sorts of antiquities from human history. Yes. It's all priceless stuff. Wait, did we just decide this is the same movie? What yes. the fuck is happening? Yes. <laughs> But yeah, the whole thing at the beginning, that's why he's in trouble. He is at Area 51 in a government facility he's not supposed to be in. Yeah. He is at this nuclear testing facility that he's not supposed to be in. Uh-huh. And then it never comes up again. Yeah, he's questioned by the FBI. We think it's the Top FBI. Top men. Top men. They even say a line in that scene with the same kind of cadence as top men. Well, they literally have the Ark of the Covenant in this warehouse. They it's give true. you they give you just a little glimpse to let you know that's the room they're in. It's true. But it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. He's there helping the Russians because he was kidnapped. I don't really know. They don't explain why he's involved in this to begin with. And that's, I, I'm okay with that. Oh, they, I guess they kind of do. They say, oh, they were digging in the dirt in South America. Right, and I, I'm co totally fine with that because it's a good way to introduce another movie where your hero was doing some shit and he just happens to be falling into the, the hands of the bad guys. It's a good way to start a movie. I guess, but it would be more effective... If it were not a big green screen. <laughs> yes. And that's one thing that I pointed out right away when they're outside the gate of Roswell, New Mexico. God damn it. Area 51. You had to have Area 51. Obviously, Trent. Again, this was like in, in the 1950s, everybody was up in arms about, oh, there was a there was a, a crash landing site in Roswell, New Mexico. Trent, it's aliens. <laughs> it's always aliens. Yeah. So the last person we haven't talked about yet is John Hurt. So they kind of brush through the main plot, getting us to the plot very, very quickly. So oh, yeah. he gets kicked out of the college for a while. He doesn't know where he's going to go. He's getting on a train. Mutt appears and he says, you were friends with this other professor who's friends with my mom. And now he and my mom have gone missing. But she said you would help. And yeah. there is a whole lot of dialogue explaining that 
concept. And a lot of that just kind of went over my head and I just kept on going with it. Because, I had to sort of explain it to you. <laughs> yeah, and, and they gave the, the letter to Indy because apparently he can read and speak every single language he under the sun. He can do literally anything you need him to do. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> he is a scientist and a historian. And I a just, gentleman and a scholar. Yeah, I did not really understand the whole John Hurt thing. Like where he comes from, what his relationship is with Mutt, what his relationship is with this woman who is apparently his mother, and it's, it's a weird thing. So it's these little lines of dialogue sprinkled throughout the movies. So Indiana Jones, when he finally catches up to John Hurt, he's crazy because the skull made, like, warped his mind. Yeah. And he says, my name is Henry Jones Jr. We went to school in Chicago together, mm -hmm. and you were never this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. Because they talk about in, in, the, in the diner scene saying, yeah, he, he will just put you to sleep. He is a brilliant man, but talking to him will just put you to sleep. He is very dull. Yeah. He is not this crazed dude in a poncho, like swinging a South American right. instrument, a, right. a instrument, a Peruvian flute or something. <laughs> I have no idea what that instrument is. It's like this wind whistling thing that he's whipping yeah. around. Yeah. But he was friends with him, which makes sense that he would also know Marion because... Sure. They're all archaeologists of some kind. And he knows Abner. Abner is the guy they mentioned in the beginning of Raiders. Abner was her father. So I think Abner oh, was like their mentor. Right. So he yeah, and this other guy because when were Indian, fellow students. Because when Indy and him sat down, they said something about Abner's little girl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they all know each other. So he knows Mutt. Fine. I keep wanting to call him Mitt. Mutt is such a stupid name. <laughs> so is Mitt. It's, I don't know. I'm just used to Mitt in the lexicon, especially circa 2008. You can understand why I would have that name and not yeah, Mutt 2012 in was more likely. Still a he thing. He was running for president. Still yes, a he thing. was running for <laughs> Mitt Romney, everybody. Anyway. But John Hurt, again, committed fully to this. I honestly yeah. think he might be the best thing in this movie. No. Okay, because he is genuinely I'm going to play the crazy guy. I'm the eccentric. He has no beginning, anything we have to worry about knowing who he is or where he comes from. He just gets to show up and be an old crazy person. He contributes nothing to the the progression of the story. He doesn't really give any kind of re revelations here other than, hey, this is what I found out. You have to go down three waterfalls. And then you look up and you look at the thing. The best thing about him is when he's just in the background holding on to his skull. That's it. <laughs> Just him being this this uh, crazed person. But then again, as soon as they get into the throne room and, and shit goes off, he's back. Yeah. They had to return the skull. That's all they had to do. Yeah. So the obvious thing at the end of the movie is they get to this throne room, they return the skull, and there are these 13 alien skeletons yep. made of pure quartzite. Sure. That Kate Blanchett can apparently just look at and know that they... Oh, they are multiple beings, but they're a hive mind, and they could learn together as a single entity. You are just pulling things out of your ass, lady. Yeah. I, where the hell are you getting this shit? She can just look at them, and she knows. And when they return the skull, 
she is given a they they're gonna give them a gift. Right. And the whole thing that she is doing, it's a it's kind of analogous to the whole Nazi thing with them looking for these artifacts that have special powers. She is trying to have some kind of psychic power. At the very beginning of the movie, she puts her hand up to Annie's face and is like trying to read his mind. And yeah. it's like, where did that come from? It never gets addressed again. It really doesn't, because I don't think she actually has any special abilities whatsoever. She no. just, she wants it. She wants to be a psychic. Right. But she is not. So she gives the crux of why they're looking for this skull, and it's so they can have a weapon of psychological warfare. Yeah. Where they're going to use it to basically make sleeper agents in America but the best part is they don't know they're sleeper agents because we gave you the idea. Uh, to a point. I think what what they're trying to do here, this is my interpretation anyway. What I think they're trying to do is what you said. They're trying to influence the culture to basically make Americans into Russians. They're trying to so make that, friends and influence people? No, they're not being <laughs> Dale Carnegie. Oh. They're trying to basically change the culture so that there's no us versus them. It's just us. But they're talking about, like, their enemies and yeah, kind of fighting from within. It's, it's, it's a weird indoctrination thing that they're trying to, like, influence the schools and, like, kids and educators and things like that. From so thousands that, of miles away. Yeah. Uh, fair. They'll, they'll eventually take over the world because the enemies will destroy themselves upon their own bidding. Right. Hmm. But yeah, at the end of the movie, the alien is thankful for his head being returned, and he says... I'll give you a gift, and her choice is, tell me everything. Right. Your tiny human mind will not be able to accept it, but good on ya. And her eyes melt. She Then she burns up. Uh-huh. The alien tells her everything, and it's too much. Uh-huh. Knowledge was the real weapon, Betsy. Yeah. Well, and as with every other one of these movies, they think they understand what it is they're trying to wield, and they yeah. don't, and then it destroys them. Who could have ever seen this coming? Power corrupts, Betsy. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I really wish you would just let me say absolutely. Because <laughs> that would have been a great joke, but now you've ruined it. Oh, jokes. All right. Well, we've pretty much gotten through the plot of this movie. So why don't you tell me some moments? Because I know there's some things in this movie that made you go, What? What? That's a half the movie. The big one that the internet likes to bring up is the beginning of the movie when Indiana Jones survives a nuclear blast in a lead line refrigerator. Yeah, that sucked. I understand that they're trying to bring some 1957 flavor to this movie, but having the town that they build specifically to blow it up, including dummy families and everything, was just unnecessary. I feel like it's probably based in truth, though, because there was a lot of nuclear testing going oh, on Oh, no, at this, this time. is all true. I, I know it is true. And they need to see what happens. Yes, but why does Indiana Jones need to be there? Because it's 1957 and we need to remind the audience about nuclear war. And communism <laughs> and the threat that is looming above us all. I mean, the fact that they that they keep on talking about communism is the same thing that they're talking about Nazis. 
Yeah. Really. We just need to hammer home all of the but, different points of it. But when the dean is back at Indy's house, he's talking about, yeah, they're really just kind of shoving this commie stuff down our face because... I mean, this is the height of McCarthyism. I love by, by 1957. I love that he used the phrase "hysteria in academia." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even to this day, they're saying, "Oh yeah, the the college professors are just trying to indoctrinate your children into their way of thinking." No, their knowledge actually comes from books and research and not just reading things off of Twitter. A lifetime of study. That's, knowledge. That's what makes them the experts. Knowledge is a lot more important than the shit you find on the internet. Yeah, look at Indiana Jones. He didn't even have the internet. He didn't even have Google. And he speaks like 23 languages <laughs> and ancient Mayan and all this other stuff that makes you total sense. You see what you can accomplish without the internet, kids? With books. Just books. books. But he did say while he was on the motorcycle, if you want to do real archaeology, you got to get out of the library. Out of the library and start raiding some tombs. (laughs) He does a lot of that in this one, too. When Mm -hmm. they go to where the the guy, there's like an ancient conquistador Uh buried there. And they go to his burial ground. And like, he's just cutting open mummies. And he's about to steal a knife. And later on, he's like, smashing the rocks of the obelisk, which yep. in retrospect doesn't really matter because the whole thing it crumbled was gonna, anyway. Yeah, it was going to fall down anyway. But he had no qualms about grabbing a big rock and just smashing the hell out of it. <laughs> and yeah, cutting open the mummies. And the, and there was a little moment there of the mummy being exposed to air for the first time in hundreds of years. And it just immediately crumbles. Yeah. That was kind of cool. And I mean, it's probably correct. That seems like the one thing that is accurate. Mummies are very well preserved. There's so many moments in this movie that are based in truth. Like the Nazca lines, those are real. It's an absolutely fascinating concept to think, how did these ancient civilizations conceptualize and execute the Nazca lines, which are miles and miles long, that you cannot see from the ground, but you can see from space. How did you even know you were doing it right? Well, clearly they just look from uh, on top of their Mayan pyramids, Betsy. The big hill. Yeah. The big hill that they built with the aliens. Yeah. They just get their binoculars out and they just yell. They get on the walkie-talkie and they tell them, hey, little bit to the left. Well, the ancient walkie-talkies the aliens provided. Yes. Uh, There's also one moment in this movie where Indy is speaking this specific, like, I think he says an Incan dialect of Spanish. Yep. And he learned it because he fought with Pancho Villa. This, I think, is the one time in this movie series that they mention anything that happens in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh, Because I believe that is one of those episodes, is that he goes and fights in one of the Mexican wars... Mexican-American War, Spanish-American War. I don't remember. I don't know. And again, I should be a better student of history. I'm not. <laughs> Wherever Pancho Villa is, he was fighting with him. And All I'm right. pretty sure that's one of the episodes. Okay, well, that's cool then. I, I appreciate that. Because in these types of serials, you always want to give a, week and, a wink and a nod to the audience, the people who have been keeping up with it. And if people actually did watch the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, that's just a little nugget for them. Me? and the six other people who gave a crap. (laughs) (laughs) Still give a crap anyway. We also have our, I guess if you want to call it, creepy crawly feature because every one of these has 
something that's a bug, a snake, something disturbing. Yeah. In this one, we had scorpions and we had ants. We had a few scorpions. There wasn't big, really much. Big damn ants. Uh-huh. While not as creepy crawly as some of the other ones in these movies, there were some disturbing things when those ants get going. Sure, and of course you have the CG moments of them eating a bunch of people. Yeah, they dragged a guy into their their little their uh, hole. den. Their hole. <laughs> uh, but why did this? Why why does the skull keep them away? Because it has psychic powers it's over a, living creatures. It's a magic skull. It's a magic skull. Why didn't it's they call another it, magic rock. Why didn't they call it a ma- kingdom of the magic skulls? Because it isn't magic. It's psychic. It is <laughs> aliens. It is aliens. Okay, I just have two more, I think, quick things that we can cover and start wrapping this up. One of them is when he gets taken by the Russians when they're in Peru. Yes. Kate Blanche's character is explaining to him their whole plot, as a, any good villain should do. You need to tell the, vil- the hero what you're up to and why. Mm-hmm. You need to reveal your whole plan. And his response is, I've heard this bedtime story. And this is not the first time in the series he's made that claim. I've heard this bedtime story before. Yeah. What the fuck kind of bedtime stories were you being told as a child? I mean, it was the old times. It was a lot harder back then. We needed to scare you into submission. (laughs) I mean, why do you think Indy went on all these adventures? It's based on all of the bedtime stories he got told. He needs to fight. Especially by his own father. He needs to fight off his own demons that have been haunting him his whole life. (laughs) I don't think anybody else has been told these bedtime stories, That's what I'm saying. It's just you. Your dad was a weird dude. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of fathers and fatherhood, at the end of the movie, as you said, there is a wedding and his son is shown like walking to the back of the church and he gets out a little video camera and then the doors swing open, the wind blows Indy's hat off of the coat hanger and it rolls to his feet. Uh And just as he's about to pick it up and put it on his head, Indy grabs it. There was this moment where people thought, oh, they're going to introduce this series to a younger generation mm-hmm. to hand it off, which is something that has been happening a lot in the last like 15 years. Oh, yeah. And we've addressed that a lot. And of course, by him snatching it out of his hands, it's like, fuck you, kid. You get nothing. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm really glad that they did not do that. Because who wants to watch the adventures of Mutt Williams? <laughs> Nobody. No. Especially not Shia LaBeouf of all actors. He does not fit the bill for any of the characteristics of an explorer, adventurer, swashbuckling guy. (laughs) No. No. Instead, he's just like, no, my hat. Right. Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) How is that? Fuck you, Shia LaBeouf. How has this hat survived him this long? Does he have a closet full of identical hats like a cartoon character? Or is he just really good at cleaning up and maintaining one hat? That's a good question. I don't know the answer this, to that. This bothered me in this one all of a sudden because I've now watched it get like blown into the water and into volcanoes <laughs> and ant piles and it gets beat the, up the, and dirty. The ants picked it up and we're going to steal it from him. It's like wearing your favorite busted up baseball cap, but that will take a beating after a while sure. and this thing still looks in good condition. I call shenanigans. Even his wardrobe, like b- besides the hat, 
has survived. And another thing I read was Harrison Ford's measurements did not change. What? From movie to movie. Shut the fuck up. He has maintained his athleticism, which is why he did a, a surprising amount of his own stunts here. And why he broke a fucking leg or something. I don't, I don't remember if it was this movie or if it was Star Wars. It was, it was probably this I one. I think it was both. I, I know one of these movies he broke a leg, but another one he did get injured. Yeah. So he was definitely injured on this set in some capacity. But that being said, yeah. All of his wardrobe fit. Fuck they you. did not have to change How? his measurements at all. That is insane. Yeah. Good on you, Harrison I, I, Ford. I even said to myself before we started watching, well, clearly he's not going to take his shirt off in this movie. He's 60 some years old. No, they still got him. He can keep it on in the next one. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Trent, do you have any other parting thoughts before we wrap this one up? I liked the joke uh, when they're at the cemetery and Shia says something. Indy takes out a gun and is threatening somebody with the gun. And Shia says, I thought you you said you were a teacher. And he says... Part time. There's a couple good jokes like that in this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's it's har- not completely devoid of humor. Yeah, it's hearkening back to the fact that you know what this is. This guy is this character is not a conventional hero. No, not a conventional professor, adventurer, whatever label that you want to put on him. He's not what you expect him to be. Well, and you can tell times have changed because his students did not look at him the same way they did in the other movies. They looked no. kind of bored. He's turned into the professor that bores you. <laughs> Shit. Well, I I wouldn't say that I was bored by this movie, though. Um, it was fine. I can see where the majority of people are coming from when, it, when they say that this movie sucks. It doesn't suck, but it ain't what it needs to be. And... I'm really hopeful for the next one. We can get into what our predictions are for the next one in the next episode, of course, next Sunday. But for now, Crystal Skull, I don't think it doesn't ruin the original trilogy. Just like what we said about the Star Wars movies coming back, about the Matrix movies coming back, and all these other franchises that are being resurrected in some fashion. As long as you are somewhat faithful to the fans and faithful to the original material and giving old and new fans just a little bit of something to hold on to, you're doing an okay job. It's really, really hard to continue these on. And one other thought that I had while while I was watching this, what I wish would have happened here, if I was following along with the production of these movies, honestly, I wish we would have been able to get a more serialized version of this character. Give me a movie every year and not even a movie give me like an hour special once a year once every other year don't take 19 years between movies i know harrison ford doesn't want to play the same character all the time get a younger one in there get an older one in there just give me something for this character i don't know that's the thought i had but it is unusual that 40 years on 40 plus years on that we have the same guy playing the same character by now that doesn't never that's never happened before in cinema where like back in the 20s and 30s where you have the same actors playing the same character that's unheard of even sequels were unheard of back then and this far along 
you would expect it to be a full reboot. New cast, sure. new people, nothing to do with the original. We'll do the dark version because that's what people like now. It's it's going to be a gritty reboot. <laughs> fucking look at how Solo was received. That movie fucking bombed for a lot of different reasons. I get that. Go listen to that episode where we watched Solo. But see how fans reacted when Solo was put out. See how fans react when they try to do a, a reboot of something without the original actors or the original writers or anything else. It's a studio trying to cash in on a property that they own, and it just goes nowhere. You have to have some kind of heart of the original. You have to do it with some passion. You can't just do it for the paycheck. Yeah, and we're going to see what this last one's going to be. I have a feeling it might just be for the fucking money. Oh, we'll see. That's a, that's another week or so away. But for now, that's going to be it for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We would love to hear where you stand on this movie. So far, we haven't gotten anything about Crystal Skull. You, at the time of this recording. At the time of this recording, we have yet to hear from you. So yes. please... Reach out to us. Our email is neverseenitpod at gmail.com. We've got a couple emails from my sister, from Dr. Katie. Dr. Katie, who is a certified scientist who does this for real. She knows the real ins and outs of archaeology and the proper way to do it. Yes, not with guns and whips. I mean, maybe with a whip. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen her do her job. I've never seen her do her job either, to come to think of it. Uh, but she sent us an email about the first two movies in this series for Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom. First is Raiders, and the email was called Raiders Shoutout because, of course, we brought up the fact that yes. my sister does this for a living. Yes, indeed. <laughs> she says, hey, never seen it. Dr. Bones here, sans whip and gun. Oh, damn. <laughs> thanks for the shout out in your review of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Also, thanks for the discussion of real archaeology. Indy is sadly a glorified looter, but an accurate portrayal of the time where museums were clamoring for mysterious, quote, treasures to show off to East Coast high class crowds. Funny enough, I start my intro to anthropology class every semester with a, quote, what is not anthro? And Indy, Tomb Raider, and Jurassic Park are all featured. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah. The, the young minds are warped from uh, the fictionalized versions of this stuff. You need to be set straight about what you're going to learn. If you don't like it, it's day one. Drop the class. <laughs> yeah, especially the ones that are not set in real science. Like something like, oh, let's say the X-Files. I mean, and there's real science in the... Don't you get on no, Dana No, 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 no. <laughs> I, no. What I'm saying is there is some kind of reality in that fiction. Okay. The stuff that is actually couched Good in save. real science. All right. <laughs> but this stuff, uh-uh. No, they use history. It's that thing where you know the way to get a conspiracy theory to catch on is you take a lie and you wrap it in truths. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that this movie is. Exactly. Anyway. She continues, Another thing you talked about was Tom Selleck versus Harrison Ford for the role of Indiana Jones. I laughed because I immediately thought of the meme slash picture of Chippendale Rescue Rangers yep. who are literally dressed as Indy and Magnum P.I. That's right. A detail when I was a kid, I don't think I understood. I, I never, never did. I never watched Magnum P.I. Nope. But looking at it now, it's like, well, that was very obvious. Yeah. 
Anyway, thanks again for the shout out. Indiana Jones was clearly an influence for my ultimate career trajectory, but I'm happy to say that it's fun to be compared to this badass nerd, even if he's far from realistic. <laughs> Thank you, Katie, for that. And we have one more from Dr. Bones. From Dr. Bones, uh, titled Indy 2. Dear Betsy and quote, Star Wars sound effects Karen. I believe she means you. <laughs> That's me. To make it worse, you did it again in this movie. Uh-huh. You didn't bring it up yet. Okay, okay. I I said my piece in uh, in Indy 2. I said it in Indy. I probably said it in all three of them at this point. I did not say it in this one yet. But, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Katie, I take what you're saying to me about me saying... <laughs> about me saying in one of the other ones... Can't you just go in the back and find some others, some other sound effects to to use for me? Just for me. Don't keep using the same ones over and over again. It's fine. Trent, this whole movie is reusing sound effects. The punching sound is oh, yeah. the same for every single movie. But that's just for this universe, though. Oh, okay. You're Trent, not bringing in sound effects. Trent, oh. Harrison Ford literally said, I got a bad feeling about this in this movie. Okay, that's on him. <laughs> that's not on the director. That is on whoever wrote the dialogue. Oh, no. That's, you, that is Harrison Ford through and through. I would be willing to bet they said, you need to say something here. What if you said this? Uh-huh. Wouldn't that be a funny crossover for the nerds? Yeah. But yes, Katie, I take your point. I will, I will be the Star Wars sound effects Karen from now on. <laughs> Anyway, that was just the intro. She has <laughs> she has more content to this email. Uh, number one, I didn't know Temple of Doom was a prequel. Thanks for that. That seems to be going around. That's not the first time we've had somebody say that to us. Yeah, it's fairly obvious if you're just reading the the just the title year. sequence. Yeah. But yeah, it's easy to miss if you aren't paying attention. Number two. George Lucas was an anthropology major, so it is actually quite surprising that this movie lacks so much cultural relativism. Do well, better. Well, clearly he didn't follow the path, so he didn't finish. No, he also hasn't really followed the path of what he started on with Star Wars. He made like three movies and then fucked off and did sound effects the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. uh, point number three. Your review is reminding me of all the reasons why my mom probably didn't want this movie, Temple of Doom, of course, around for us kids. LOL. Dr. Katie B, not that kind of doctor. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Yeah, um, we so, we talked about that in uh, in Temple of Doom. Yeah, that movie is... Not lot, for children. Not, not, not. No. Not for children. <laughs> I worked at a daycare for one summer and there was a kid describing this movie and it took me a hot minute to realize what he was describing was some rated R horror film. It was something I knew but hadn't watched, I think. Okay. And I was like, this four-year-old has watched this? Interesting parenting choice. Okay, but you know what? They're your kids. Do what you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Some kids are better prepared to handle it than others, though. But thank you again, Katie, for those emails. We would love to hear from the rest of you about Raiders, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, or by the time we get to it, Dial of Destiny. Yeah. You could also send us an email about anything your little heart desires. We've covered a lot of movies, and we know that it takes a while for people to get through those episodes sometimes. So reach out, neverseenapod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on there all the time if you want to send us a message on there. 
you can click the link in the podcast description and support the show so we can bring you more movies like Indiana Jones, which you know you're very excited about, Trent. Oh, yeah. You've got a new one coming your way. We're not done yet. We'd also appreciate if you took some time to go to where you're listening to your podcast and rate us five stars. Give us a review because we haven't really gotten too many of those. So we'd like to Not yet. Not yet. grow that audience. We are trying to grow our audience over at Spotify. We hear that's where the kids are hanging out. So if you're not already listening to us on Spotify, go switch over to that service for a little bit and help us grow our audience on that platform. But that is going to be it for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We've made it through four Indiana Jones movies. We have one more to go. That'll be next Sunday when that episode will come out. And that new movie is in the theaters. Indeed. We're going back to the theater. There's a lot of new movies this summer. My goodness. Oh, boy. Just wait until July and August and everything. <laughs> and so on and so forth. Uh, but we've still got some other movies on our Wednesdays. We got one more. One more Wednesday this month? One more. I don't know. June is flying by. This year is this flying by. This year is flying by. But check all those episodes out. In the meantime, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Betsy. My name is Trent. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.